Mr. Barton Maths Podcast with me, Craig Barton. This episode, I spoke to Charlie Strip, the director of the NCETM and chief executive of the MEI. Throughout our chat, we covered loads of things, including Charlie's view on technology in A-level teaching and assessment, the role of the MEI and the NCETM, what Charlie likes about the new GCSE and what worries him, how he would tackle the problem of GCSE resits, Charlie's view on the importance of times tables and how this differs to that of Professor Joe Bowler, what mastery teaching means to Charlie and his response to the critics such as Andrew Blair who say it encourages passive learning and what Charlie would include in primary and secondary teacher training. But before we get cracking there's a brand new thing on diagnostic questions that I'd like to bring your attention to. I've created two sets of diagnostic questions higher tier GCSE papers. Now, if you're anything like us, you will set your students' mock exams, mark them, fill out a QLA, and then focus your teaching on the topics they are dodgy sat. This is great, but it takes flipping ages. The advantage of setting a diagnostic questions GCSE paper are, you don't have to mark them, students can resolve their misconceptions themselves by reading other students' explanations, and best of all, it will highlight specific misconceptions. So, for example, instead of saying a student got 3 out of 5 on a simultaneous equations question, it will highlight exactly where in the process the students went wrong so you can help them resolve key misconceptions. How much will these papers cost you, I hear you say? Not a penny. They are all completely free and can be accessed using the link in the show notes. Anyway, enough about me, let's get on with the show and spend some time with Mr. Charlie Strip. I'll see you on the other side. Okay, Charlie, if we can start with your math speed dating questions. So question number one, what is your favourite number and why? Okay, I, I think pi is probably my favourite number. And I think the reason for that is that it crops up in so many places. I mean, obviously, it's involved in the circumference and area of a circle. And that's a, a kind of quite a, a profound thing that that number is there. But also, um, I don't know, the, Euler's, you know, the sum of the reciprocal of the squares is pi squared over six. Um, you know, it's a, you know, a kind of unexpected thing, I guess, isn't it? And various other areas in mathematics where pi crops up. So it's a fascinating number from that point of view. It's also the name of my dog. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> and um, and the, the, the reason for that is that she's um, she's a, a black sort of um, Jack Russell type dog. And if you sort of view her sideways on with a bit of imagination, she looks a bit like a pie symbol. And um, she's also um, she's also behaves irrationally. So I think, um, <laughs> Very nice. Lovely answer. <laughs> I like that one. Um, all right. Number two. What was your favourite topic in maths, Charlie, as a student to learn? I liked vectors, actually. When, when I was, um, uh, uh, yeah, when I, well, I, I think there was some vectors involved in the O-level that I did. And when I did A-level maths, I did, um, I did the SMP A-level, actually. And there was quite a lot of vectors in there. And I... I really liked that. I found that quite powerful. And when I was at university, I did stuff with, um, with um, you know, relativity and all that kind of thing as well. And, and, and you know, I, I found vectors was something that I thought they were uh, they were really a really brilliant idea and a really 
I think I'm quite visual, and so I liked I liked the visualisation part of that. So I think that was my my favourite topic. And did you enjoy teaching vectors as well as learning? I did really enjoy teaching vectors. One of the things that's certainly the case is that you've got to be quite careful when you're teaching. If there's something that you really like and that you possibly the reason you like it is because you you were quite it was something that that, that, that appealed to the way that you think. It's very important that you don't assume that all your students are, are thinking in the same way. So it's quite a, I think it's not necessarily a it's not necessarily the easiest thing to teach. It's not necessarily your favourite topic. You've got to think a bit more about it, I think, to, to, to get the teaching right. Because, um, you know, it might be that you're you're not on the you, you might not look at it in the same way as your students do. And it's important to to think about that. Yeah, I think you're right with vectors. I've just been teaching it to my year 13s for core four, and I, I'm not visual at all. I, I flip and have a nightmare trying to picture, especially, <laughs> especially yeah. when it's like two straight two lines in 3D intersecting and stuff. It's yeah, yeah. it's it's a, it's a tough one, and I find a bit of technology uh, goes goes uh, down a treat yeah. there with something like that. Yeah, in fact, te- te- technology is something I wanted to really emphasise when, when, when we're talking now. You know, that that, that um, I'm, I'm a great fan of using technology to to enhance maths teaching, and I think that it's something that um, doesn't get done enough. Um, and we've we've got to start making better use of technology in the maths classroom. Um, I know that the uh, the new A level starting in 2017, there's a there's a great line in the content that says. Um, the, I think it's something like graphing technology um, and spreadsheets or something like that must permeate the, um, the study of available mathematics. And I absolutely believe that. And it's something that we've, we've got to, you know, with, with the, the new A-level coming, that maybe that's something that we can, we can push quite hard to get because it, it, you know, it helps it helps young people to learn maths and, and deepen their understanding, and we, we should be making more use of it. Well, I agree. And I'll tell you what, let's take a mini break from our speed date for a second, Charlie, then, because yeah. te- te- technology and A-level is one of the things um, I was going to come on to, but it's, it seems to make sense to talk about it now. Um, I was reading in your most recent MEI newsletter, you made you made quite a, a statement about, about the A-level, and you even went so far as to say that if technology isn't embraced, then studying A-level maths will seem increasingly irrelevant to students. What's, um, what specifically, what role do you, do you see technology playing? Is it just in the teaching or is it in the assessment of A-level as well? Well, okay, well, first of all, in, in terms of teaching, I think that, um, I mean, first of all, talking about teaching mathematical ideas, and I mean, this idea that, that with technology, you know, the link between algebra and graphs is so clear and apparent. And with, with, with good technology now, you can you can um, you, you can you, know, you can change variables and things like that, move things around, show how when you change a, a, an aspect of an equation, the graph changes. In some technology, you can move the graph around and see the equation change. That, that those kind of things are really powerful. Um, I think that um, you know, graphing calculators, GeoGebra, all those kinds of things are, are really are really good vehicles for that. And it, and it really embedding it in, in what students are doing, even even things like, um, you know, the sort of patterns that you get when you when you multiply out brackets of different powers, all of the, the, the binomial stuff that comes out of that, all, all kinds of things that you can do that are enhanced by technology, the fast access that you can you can get to, to how things change. It, it, it's just so powerful. And I think that when I was um, when I was a student, I think that I didn't appreciate some, some things that I now appreciate when I was a student, I didn't appreciate because I, I, I couldn't access the pictures that technology can give me. I mean, at the higher levels of maths, the kind of things that you can do with differential equations, you know, tangent fields, all of those things are fantastic if you think about further math students. But you know, much, much, much earlier in secondary maths, when you're talking about about you know, straight line graphs or anything like that, just being able to, to see how that works and do it quickly with technology and really get the students to to think and visualize, it, it's a fantastic tool. That, that, that's one aspect. The other aspect is looking at, um, 
uh, statistics and being able to deal with you know, great big data sets really efficiently. And I mean, one of the some of the changes to the new A level where we're talking about um, you know large data sets is features in the new in the new A level and be able to to you know to to use um, to use data to get inferences about about the world you know to to, to understand things by analysing data. Technology enables us to do that, and the kind of um, traditional sort of exam questions that might involve ten data points are, you know, it, it's meaningless, and yeah. it, it, it's not surprising that that, that that many many students and teachers, you know, think, oh, stats is the, you know, the, is, the, is the, the boring bit. Well, you know, actually, stats is fascinating, and the power of statistics, particularly in the modern in in, in the modern world, is, data is more and more important. And if you want, if you're going to do meaningful stuff with data, you need technology to do it. And the, it, it takes away the idea. You, know, you get this criticism that um, that you know, w- what what can happen is that it's, I don't know, statistics becomes plugging numbers into equations and getting the right number out, and actually thinking about what that means and what it's telling you and why that was a useful thing to do gets get, gets lost in the mechanics of of something that a machine can do much better than a human being can. But you know, getting a deep understanding of, of data and statistics, technology is brilliant for that as well. So I think right through the, the whole of maths teaching, both the the kind of you know the algebra, geometry, um, and number aspects of mathematics, but also um, in, in in statistics, brilliant. In terms of um, some things in mechanics as well, the things that you the sort of software that you can get to, that simulates stuff, so that you can really you can really sort of experiment with mechanics things as well in technology. It's, it's all available, and, it, and, it, and the more the more teachers use it and realise its power, the better the technology will get as well. And would you, because it's it's all well and good, and I fully agree with you 100%, Charlie, on all of that. But then, obviously, when it comes to then the paper-based assessments, all that kind of yep. goes goes out the window. Yeah. So, w- what's your views on on technology in assessments? Is that the way forward, and and is it coming soon? Is it coming soon? Well, one of the things that MEI is doing at the moment, and it's been doing for, for, for uh, yeah, a few years now, we, we have a, we, we, we were keen to sort of see whether this was possible. And we have quite a, quite an esoteric further maths unit. It's called um, Further Pure with Technology. Um, and, and, you know, and, and yeah, the, the numbers of students that have done it is in, is in three figures. You know, it's not, it's not a, main, a mainstream thing, but we wanted to just sort of try this out. And, and we, you know, we, we, we were able to, um, you know, to, to work, work with OCRs, the awarding body that does the MEI level, they, they, they sort of helped us to, to, to achieve this. And we, we've had students do um, further pure technology where it's it's you know, it, it's, a, it's a unit aimed at students that are really into maths. Obviously, it's, it's a quite an esoteric further pure maths unit. But in the examination, they are exp- they must have access to um, a spreadsheet package, a programming language. And you know a, 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 a graphing package, and they need those things to do the exam. And it means that you can you can do you know more sophisticated things in the exam and look at bits of maths that you haven't been able to look at before. But also part of the reason we wanted to, to try it out was just to see the, the, is the logistics of that possible. And, you know it's worked on that very small scale. But I think that, that doing something on large scale, you know, having an a, you know, making it so that A level maths or GCSE maths could be examined by a computer. That that I think that's got to happen. At least some aspects of it, um, and I, I can see that, that will that that will happen in the future. And, and also to be able to have, you might imagine. I don't know how far away we are from this, but you might imagine a time where even a computer algebra system was permitted for part of the assessment. So you might do some examination where you are have got access to some really quite sophisticated mathematical tools. Because we talk a lot about mathematical modelling and things with students, but I mean, there's the thing, isn't there, about how you know, school maths is, or certainly sort of higher level school maths is, 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 is using kind of um, 
you know, sophisticated maths to, to, to solve simple problems. And um, often, you know, you, what you, the most useful things you can, you can teach arguably might be simple maths to look at more sophisticated problems. But what real mathematicians are doing is looking at sophisticated problems with sophisticated maths. But to do that, they're using technology. And um, whether there are ways that we can develop uh, teaching and learning at uh, you know, post 16 A level so that you are able to use technology tools that enable you to be more sophisticated in the, in the kind of mathematical modeling that you do. And it would, it would help to show students more the power of, of maths and, and what, what it can what it can achieve. One of the things about maths always seems to be that you're always when you get into it, you're sort of the school, certainly school education is more about. You know, you need to learn this so that you can do the stuff you're going to do next year. And you need the stuff you're going to do next year so that you can do the stuff you're going to do next year. And the stuff you're doing at A-level, you'll be able to do stuff on that with that at university. And then if, at the end of all this, if you come out, you might be able to do something meaningful. And, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I wonder whether we can, we, could, we can get more meaning in by using technology sooner. So I think we've got to start embedding technology into assessment over time. It won't happen very rapidly. I mean, we are – our educational establishment is very conservative with a small c – um, and it takes time to make these things happen. But one thing that MEI will be doing is trying to be in the vanguard of that, you know, and pushing for, for getting um, you know, the, more use of technology in teaching and learning, certainly, and in the longer term, more technology in, in, in examinations as well. And we, 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 we'd very much want to do that. But so I'm right in saying that in the current A-level reform, there's no, there's not going to be any explicit kind of compulsory assessments that require technology in there above and beyond what we've seen before. No, there, there won't. But because of that, that, that the idea that, that, that the use of technology must must permeate yes. the study of A-level mathematics, because that's there in the content, then I, I envisage that that certainly that, that in, in the um, in the, 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 the statistics elements, there'll be much more sort of interpretation of things right. rather, rather than plugging numbers into equations to calculate what your correlation coefficient is. I mean, who cares whether you can do that or not? But, you know, do you know what that correlation coefficient means? Can you, can you get some inference from those things? That's important. There'll be more emphasis on that. I also think that um, things like um, – I mean, we've, we've had a situation, haven't we, where I think in the nine, graphical calculators used, for example, in the classroom, I mean, graphical calculators in the long term, I, I think they'll, they'll become obsolete, but in the short term, they're, 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 they're a, a, a tool that every student in your classroom can have it in, in, in her or his hand to, to help with, um, to help with, you know, them to do mathematics and to, to visualize and all of those things, and they will be able to have those calculators in the exam with them. So I think that, um, you know, that's, that again is a is a, a very positive thing that, that there is it, it's more well disposed towards technology the kind of feeling of you know what came out of the available content advisory board and led to the the published content that the awarding bodies are as we speak preparing specifications against you know an, an underlying um, theme of that is this idea that you know, te- getting technology embedded into all of this is very important and with with kind of temporarily putting technology aside and if we look specifically at the a-level reforms which which parts of it kind of make you happy and which part of it's make you you concerned from the from the stuff that you've you've read and and seen okay the 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 parts that make me happy i think um i'm very keen on the the greater emphasis on problem solving reasoning modeling all of all of those aspects of it i'm happy about the emphasis on technology as we already discussed um i've got mixed feelings about modular versus linear um i can see I can see, yeah, I can see both sides of the argument. I mean, what, what, one thing about about a, a modular system is that you can examine 
you can it, you can test everything. Yes. So people are properly prepared for everything. One, one thing about a linear A level, I mean, I was a little bit like this myself. You know, I did two, three hour papers at the end of my A level. And I was rooting for certain things not coming up. <laughs> yes. And, and, and I got away with that in one case very, very well. Thank goodness for that. Well, you know, in a modular system, you can't escape. You have to cover everything properly. Um, but on the other hand, um, from the point of view of higher education now, people going forward with a maths A level, uh, a, a receiving university knows what they've done. You know, they, they've got a common content. The idea that, that, there were many students who had done there were students going on to engineering degrees that required them to have a mass a level who'd done no mechanics yes well that's that's silly um um yeah similarly i think that um you'd want somebody you know an, uh, somebody who, who had a, a high level mass qualification should have done more statistics but, but, and you know and again that, that there would there was i mean there weren't many students that did no stats but there were some i regret i think the fact that the decision math has kind of gone from the from the, the standard a level yeah, and, me too. Me and, too. I, and I regret the idea that that some of the some of the some of the sort of the mathematics that's involved in that was some of the most relevant, sort of readily relevant everyday type applications are within that type of mathematics. And, and also just different maths as yeah, well that yeah, the kids right, haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And different maths the kids haven't seen. And, and so I, I regret that a bit. Um, I can I, I can I suppose I can understand that if your A level is going to be it's going to be so big. And you're, you're, you're trying to, to sort of do something which will be useful for everybody, and you're in a conservative with a small C system. <laughs> um, I think that, that probably what's come out is okay, um, but but I do I do regret the decision maths having uh, you know, losing its place completely. Um, but you know there'll, there'll be there'll be stuff in uh, in further maths where where you know, discrete maths type ideas some of the, some of the ideas that currently appear in decision maths can 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 be taken up there but but that's you know that that's not that's not for every student is it and i think that that, that that's i regret a little bit um the core content you know so the um the what's currently in c1 to c4 you know that that really is is there in the new a level um and uh but but with this 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 different emphasis with with increased problem solving modeling um you know i suppose that greater emphasis on on a kind of proof and connectivity and all that kind of thing as well um, there's also an explicit thing which I'm pleased about, which is that the new mass A level is not intended to be more demanding than than, than the current one. Uh, you know, GCSE is explicitly, new GCSE explicitly meant to be more demanding, but the new A level not so. You know, the, the, it's not intended to suddenly make it make it really hard. It's just intended to shift the emphasis a little bit. Um, so I think all of those things are, are, are positive. Um, I always worry about about you know. Change, change is always stressful, isn't it? Uh, and um, you, you know, we, we've got an A-level, uh, you know, mass A-level numbers are, are increasing very rapidly. Further mass A-level numbers increasing well. And um, you know, do we want to do we want to change things when 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 things look good? Well, that's that's perhaps a little bit lazy, isn't it? You should always want to try to try to make things better if you can. Um, the the a big thing I regret is, is AS level. I think AS level is a really really important qualification, yes. particularly in maths. Um, and a very important qualification in its own right. Now, AS level hasn't been abolished or anything like that, but it, it, it's just that I think, you know, it remains to be seen how many schools will continue to offer AS level. It also remains to be seen how many students you know, will, will, will take AS level maths as a, as a, you know, something extra to do alongside other A levels, which I think is a really, is a really good route. Similarly, AS level further maths is an excellent thing to do alongside other A levels. And, you know, what effects the changes will have on that kind of behaviour concerns me. Um, so, you know, the, the, in terms of curriculum change, I, I think 
you know, I, I'm not unhappy with, with, with what's happened. Um, we, we, and, you know, all A-levels have gone linear. So, you know, we, we can't really complain about that. Um, but, you know, we, well, we can't say we've been, we, we've been hard done by particularly as maths because of that. So, you know, I, I think on the whole, I, I'm not as... I'm not as as concerned about it as as I feared I might be when 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 I knew all these changes were going to take place. I think that what's happened is is isn't dire. I'm more worried about I'm worried about funding issues associated with A level and and you know the idea that that it's it, you know there's a, a fixed amount per student for an A level program and you know how how that will affect further maths and maths because you know maths is often taken as a fourth A level, isn't it? Yes. Um, further maths, you know, very frequently taken as a fourth A level. Yeah. And um, you know, we, we, how, we need to we need to sort of look at, at what effects that might have. So that in some senses, um, if you were asking me what I was worried about, I'd be more worried about funding than I'm about the the the, the, the curriculum um, reform. People often link back, don't they, to Curriculum 2000 and talk about how numbers plummeted yes. with 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 what happened then. But the th the thing that happened then really was that that mass A level changed in a way that made it significantly more difficult compared with other subjects. And there was that year, I think 2002, when um, when the, um, the 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 pass rate for um, AS maths fell dramatically, and as a result, you know, students um, students you know, voted with their feet to some extent. I don't, I, you know, I think that the changes we've had this time are different to that, and everything has changed at the same time as well. Um, so I, I'm I'm not I'm not. Well, I, I hope I'm right, but I'm, I, I'm not so worried about that scenario as I am about about you know aspects related to, to post-16 funding, that kind of thing. Okay, well that that sounds cautiously optimistic there, Charlie. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll I'll take that one. Um, if yeah. we just take a couple of steps back, then just to give the listeners some context, can you describe the steps involved in your career getting where you are today, if that's all right? Oh well, okay, um, right. Well, I started off. Um, well, I did. I did a mathematical physics degree at university, and um, I, I, uh, I suppose something to say is that I started off by studying physics initially, and I realised quite quickly that um, that physics involved labs and 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 long hours, <laughs> and, uh, 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 and maths involved involved um, hard thinking and greater flexibility, <laughs> and um, and so I, I I ended up, you know, making my degree mostly mathematics. And um, and really enjoyed that. So so that's why I started. When I left university, I was um, I was interested in rock climbing and mountaineering more than almost anything else. And I, I'd graduated in the mid 80s and got a job in um, got a job in accountancy, um, hoping to hoping to fund my travel debts. <laughs> um, but but what then happened to me is that is that various sort of experiences, one of which is that I had um, I had quite a serious accident, which made me kind of think think about sort of you know. Am I doing the things that I really want to do? And I decided actually that I really liked maths and I, I, I'd wanted to teach. And so I didn't do a PGC until I was um, in my mid 20s. But then once I started doing that, it, I, I, yeah, it, it was just it was what I wanted to do. And um, I really, really enjoyed teaching. So I've taught in in secondary, always 11 to 18. And then I moved to um, I moved to a, a, a FE sixth form college and taught there. And then, in, in fact, in 2000, um, so it's a long time since I've been a, a full-time classroom teacher. In 2000, um, the job came up at MEI um, looking at um, trying to do something about in, increasing um, increasing numbers, particularly in the state sector that did further mass A-level because um, numbers had, had reached a, a pretty low ebb and the, 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 a very high proportion of further mass students were in the independent sector. And so I, I 
took a job at MEI where they, they advertised for somebody to, to lead a, a pilot program to see if they could address the um, the access to further maths for, um, for for state school students. And that was funded initially by the Gatsby Charitable Foundation. We had some funding from there. Um, the pilot worked very successfully. In fact, lots of using technology to support teachers and students in that. And um, that eventually turned into what initially was the Further Mass Network from 2005 with, with, with government funding, eventually evolved into the Further Mass Support Programme, and, and the Further Mass Support Programme is still going now. So that's, that's, the, that, that's my route out of the classroom, really, was through MEI. Um, and can I just ask at that yep. stage, Charlie, what, um, what, what kind of made you decide to leave teaching, and what do you, well, what, what do you miss and what do you not miss? Well, I, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to leave teaching at all. The, 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 the job was advertised as, as, a, as up to three years, and I thought that I would do this bit of sort of you know, curriculum development type work, and then I would go back into the classroom. I, I, I had no ambitions to leave the classroom at all, um, and it really surprised me, actually, that, that I... Um, the, you know the way that the work the work took off and things developed. I mean, I, obviously, I got involved in in curriculum development, working working a lot with teachers and that kind of thing, and I enjoyed that. But I, I, I you know, I, I I miss well, I, I miss the classroom all the time. In fact, I do do a little bit of teaching still, which I'll I'll tell you about a bit later. But um, <laughs> but but I I enjoy teaching greatly and, and never had a plan to sort of get out of the classroom. I wanted you know I I, I wanted to to you know to teach maths, you know, and that, that that's what I like doing. Um, one of the things that I think is um, we, we need to address, actually, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent now, but the idea of, of being able to address um, the, the if you're if you're trying to sort of make a, a career progression, the, the the natural career progression for a teacher is to move out of the classroom yeah. and into management, and, 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 we, and we need and maybe you know through some of the the NCTM type work and the maths hubs and that sort of thing, we we might end up with with different routes for people that are are really committed to maths teaching to become senior in that and for that to have similar status to be to going into senior management in a, in a school or a college. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah. Now you, I. I Described part of my route. The other thing that happened is that um, I, in um, 2013, you know, the NCTM at that point um, was 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 um, well, in fact, a bit earlier than that. But with the NCTM was 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 being um, um, this is 2010-11, I suppose. The NCTM was 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 being retendered with the new government and all those things. And MEI became involved in in supporting the NCTM um, and um, and you know be, being part of. Of you know that it's tribe education and um, um, it was uh, it, at that stage it was my science and the Institute of Education working together with with um, on the NCTM and that that at that point MEI could have been involved in that and I was a little bit involved but then um, I actually in 2013 you know we, I, we the NCTM we felt that that was that was a really important piece of work and MEI and MEI's trustees felt that was that it was a really important thing and the opportunity to apply for the job as NCTM director came up at that point and I. Joined NCTM in 2013 as as the, the new director replacing Celia Hoyles. That's that's some very difficult shoes to fill. <laughs> yes. um, and um, at that point, I um, at that point, I, I, what one thing I realised is that um, I I know I think I know a lot about secondary maths and post 16 maths. Uh, um, massive maths and maths education, but I didn't know very much about primary maths. And so something else that, I, that I, I, I've done a lot of over the last um, over the last three years since joining the NCTM, in fact, it's almost exactly three years that I've been director now, over that period, I have done a lot of work in, in, in really looking deeply into primary maths and primary maths education. And that, I think, um, you know, has been really, really very interesting indeed. 
I mean, oh. there's, um, you know, primary mathematics is, is a fascinating thing. It's a very difficult, teaching primary mathematics well is a very difficult thing. I take my hat off to primary teachers for, <laughs> yeah, uh, to achieve that. And um, as, as, a, as a kind of a, uh, uh, I suppose, a secondary teacher that really, really liked and enjoyed maths, it was, a, it was a, an interesting thing for me to, to, to you know, really look hard at primary maths in a way I hadn't before. You know, Debbie Morgan, who's the, um, the, the primary director at NCTM, I, I was very open with her saying, look, you know, that primary maths is an important part of the NCTM's work. And I am by no stretch a primary maths expert. You know, you're the primary maths expert and other people that I'm working with are. I want to learn from you and work with teachers and really pick up on that. And that, that, that's been a really exciting thing over, over recent years for me is developing that, that primary maths knowledge. I still wouldn't describe myself as an expert by any means, but I think it's enhanced my, my my thinking about maths education at all levels, the fact yeah. that I've engaged deeply with primary maths. I, I completely agree, and it's I, I'd advise any secondary teacher listening to this to tr- just get yourself into a primary Ab- school. Absolutely right, absolutely and right. I think as well, I don't know if you agree with this, Charlie, but I, I, I often worry that we've got the kind of transition from key stage two to three model a bit a bit wrong yep. in the UK, yep. where we have, it tends to be, certainly around the schools where, where I visit, it tends to be year six students come into secondary school for the day to have a few taste of maths lessons and English lessons and so on and sometimes the primary teachers come in with them where I'd completely have it the other way around I'd have the secondary teachers going into primary spending a good week or yep. so there just to get a feel of the level of knowledge that these these kids have and also the way that they work together in groups and the way yep. they can talk about mathematics and so on because otherwise you inevitably get the dip that we see yep. in year 7 and year 8 because the kids often are doing maths at a lower level than they've been experiencing in, in year 5 and year 6 yeah, yeah, I think that, that that transition for primary to secondary is problematic, and it's particularly problematic in maths. And we should be thinking about a really smooth continuum. I mean, something that happens in maths in particular is that each time there's a there's a, a, a you know an interface from one educational stage to the other, there's an issue. And each time, it's it's where where people are going, where students are going to, blames the place where they come <laughs> yes, from. Yes, of course. But, but, but and that that happens right the way yep. through. And actually, we're all in the same game of trying to provide the best mass education we can for young people. And we need to be working together on that and making that transition completely smooth and respecting one another's skills across each across each part of that 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 journey through education. And, and how would you how would you do that practically, Charlie? Because it's, it's a difficult thing, isn't it, to get right? Have you if you could make some changes, what, what would you do to smooth out that transition? Well, I think that um, I think that the idea of 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 teachers that are at the interface so year five six seven eight people that are teaching in years five six six seven eight actually it being part of their part of what's expected of, of them you know a normal part of their job to work across the interface would be great yes. um, i think that, that would make a huge difference um so yeah i, I mean it, it's also math teaching is very very different at primary to secondary there, there's a there's a complete change in teaching style yes. and i think we need to work on that to make that much smoother um, yeah, they're, they're, it's almost like, um, yeah, it, it, it's no wonder that the, the kids find that, that that transition difficult because it, it is such a massive change. And you, you're right that the, the 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 structure of um, a primary classroom in mathematics and a secondary classroom in mathematics is very different, and and each can learn from the other. It's yes. not a question of it's not a question of um, you know if only those secondary schools did the right thing with these kids yes. then, um, or if only those primary schools did the right thing. It's actually learning from each other and being. You know, I mean, collaboration and dialogue between teachers is um, is 
so powerful. I mean, one of the things is that we just don't. We, there's not somehow we don't make enough time in our system to be able to do to do as much of that as we ought to. But uh, it, it's really very important. And we and need to do more of it. Is that something that cause I know you're obviously a massive proponent of of the maths hubs? Is that something that the something that the maths hubs can get involved with? Do you do yeah. a lot of kind of cross phase work there with primary and secondary? Yeah, we're, together? We're, certainly try, certainly trying to really encourage that. And I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, th- things to think about. I mean, there, there are. I don't know, sort of 3,000 odd secondary schools in England. There are a, a, about 17,000 primaries. Um, so there are there are some there are some secondary schools that that have 20, even 30 feeder schools. Flipping out, yeah. yeah. So so you can see how big a problem this is um, to, to to get to get a smooth transition and and trying to trying to sort of recognise that and work on it in a, in a constructive way. I mean, I I'm not saying that, but no, the answers to this. But what we've got to, you know, through the hubs and through the, you know, because the hubs are, um, are completely cross-phased. So it's through those kinds of structures and with a kind of a willingness to, to, to deal with the, the, these interface issues that, that we'll learn, yeah, you know, effective ways of, of, of making that transition better. You know, but I think, yeah, you know, we, we've got to work together. And I think that the, that's an underlying principle of the hubs, really, you know, collaboration between, between math teachers so that, so that they're, and making yeah the, the idea is that we've all got a common mission to improve the mass education of our young people and we should be doing that you know collaboratively and, and in full cooperation and the spirit is there there's an appetite for it perfect well um we've i've literally got about a million questions to get through from from, okay. from twitter is but before we get on to them charlie and um, just if people listening aren't familiar with the work of the ncetm or the mei is it possible for you just to sum up as briefly as, as you can just the roles of those two organizations if that's okay i'll have a go right um, <laughs> I'll, I'll do i'll do mei first so uh, mei has i suppose its work is in, is in different strands so so we, we do curriculum development and teacher support i suppose are the the, the the big things that we do we run the further math support program which involves both of those things so we produce um professional development for teachers secondary teachers at secondary post 16 um we produce teaching and learning resources um some of some of which are, are available through we've got we've got a an online platform called integral which which has um teaching and learning resources for schools, um, you know, teachers and students on it. And that, that and we, we do lots of professional development with teachers. We've got a really, I suppose, a really clear philosophy about, um, about you know, we we believe in you know, the idea of maths being a, a, an interconnected subject that, 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 that young people need to be taught to not, not just sort of learn ideas by rote, but to, to really sort of get a proper grasp of maths and how it works. And that that's the way that you, you you make real progress in mathematics, and that's exactly the same as actually the, the what the NCETM believes about these things, and that that you know things like factual knowledge and, um, and procedural knowledge are important things, and, you, and that, that but but they they need to be developed alongside conceptual understanding, and we, we build those things through together, and that but those principles underpin all that we do. Um, so so MEI I suppose we, 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 we're at the moment you know, there, there's an MEI Mass A level and further Mass A level which we're developing at the moment the exam through OCR something I'm always very keen on with MEI is um, I'm deeply offended when people say MEI is like is an awarding body or an exam <laughs> board you know, we are not that um, and we, we, but what, what we are is a curriculum development body and the MEI level is always um, um, well obviously I'd say this wouldn't I it's, all, it's always the most innovative one I think it's always the one that, 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 that that's most interested in in real mathematical development of, of young people um 
So, you know, the, the other things that we do, I mean, we're, 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 I suppose we recognize experts in secondary and post 16 math. So, so, you know, if you look at when there are consultations that come out from the governments on, on issues associated with maths education, MEI will always put in a really well considered response to such things. And, you know, we're really trying to influence maths education for the better in the country. Um, but our work at the moment, you know, we, we, our work has always been, um, secondary, secondary, so age 11 upwards particular particular strength in in a level but 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 building our hopefully building a reputation pre-16 as well another thing that we're very interested in at the moment is supporting um level two maths post-16 um i'll tell you a bit more about that later yes. if there's time um also you know core maths we've done lots of development there curriculum development there I mean, really exciting work working with um people like um you know professor sir timothy gowers professor sir david spiegelholter helping us to develop our um our core mass qualifications, you know, really some really, really exciting stuff where I, what I hope is that MEI's curriculum development work influences what what awarding bodies do. And hopefully it does that in a, in a positive way and you know, help, helps to make mass education better. So that, that's MEI. Um, the NCTM is all about supporting, supporting teachers to be able to provide the best education possible for for young people. It's got a, a remit from primary right through to to, um, to post 16, but it's really you know, the other big thing that the NCTM does that the Maths Hubs program was our idea. You know that that that, that and, and the, the Maths Hubs program is is there with this idea from um, from the, you know, the the importance of teaching white paper. You know, when the when the the new government was elected in 2010, it was clear that what they what they were were after was was um, you know this idea of a school-led system. Now I I I, so I I divorce politics from my work completely. I'm interested in improving maths education. So here we are in a in a we we would have a school-led system. That, that that's clearly what we what, what the intention is. How can we make a school-led system work well in terms of providing the best support for maths education? It seems to me that we'd need to have serious leadership within within the school within schools to be able to to support all schools in 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 improving mass education in in a meaningful way so the idea of the mass hubs is that they're that, that the the mass hub lead schools are are intended to be centers of excellence and they that the mass hubs work is yeah the mass hub is not just a lead school it, it, it's a kind of a it's it's institutions working together and expertise from from within different schools and colleges you know across the region trying to trying to work together share their expertise be collaborative and constructive to make things better and that, that that's the that that's the vision behind it and because um you know the nctm's role in that is to actually support what the hubs are doing by be, being able to provide really strong national expertise um so you know we we have um you know the nctm centrally works very closely with the hubs and the hub lead the the, the mass leads in the hubs and the the lead schools to to try to really make sure that what they're doing is 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 you know is research informed it, it's that uh, they're aware of of you know that they're not sort of you know all making the same mistakes or reinventing the wheel as far as possible we, we want to try to make the system work efficiently but it but it's but the, the, the bottom line is that you know if we're in a school-led world and we want mass education to be to develop as well as it can within that world then we need to have school-led leadership in maths education and that needs to be well informed and supported and that's what we're trying to achieve 
Got it. Fantastic. Well, if we move now then on to one of the big issues that a lot of people on Twitter wanted me to ask you about, and I've had on the podcast, I've had the uh, heads of Edexcel, AQA and OCR speaking about the new maths GCSE. Yep. Um, and I'd like to ask you, Charlie, firstly, did, did you think the GCSE needed reforming? And again, what are you? what makes you happy and what makes you worried about what you've seen? Right. I think that the GCSE did need reforming, but, um, but I don't think it was... Uh, um, I think that... Okay. (laughs) One of the issues with GCSE, as it stands at the moment, the kind of the kind of things that that, that would upset me about it and and they're to do with it's not as simple as just the curriculum and the examination. Um, And that's something I think about a lot of the reformers that we've had is that, you know, you you don't you don't dramatically improve education by by tinkering with the curriculum and changing the exam. There's There's a whole lot more to it than that. I think that um, lots of young people's experience of maths at school is that because it's it's so high stakes for the school that they get a grade C or higher, that um, particularly if you're a if you're a student around the, the sort of the CD type area, a huge amount of in, in, frequently a very great deal of training rather than education yes, goes correct. on in my view, correct. and that's that that's a very very bad thing, um, and I think that um, that the the, 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 the the intention behind the new GCSE again is that the, 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 there's much more there should be much more linkage between between different mathematical ideas and that should be the way that it would be great if if, if, if it would influence teaching in that way that that you know children are really are really sort of getting to grips with maths not with how do you answer a question that looks like this um, and I don't yeah so I don't think that just reforming exams and and, and, and the the the, the, um, the national curriculum can can do that on its own it needs in these bigger changes um, so I, I think that the the new GCSE the content is more demanding overall it's intended to be more demanding I think that that there is a there there has been an issue with the current GCSE that even students with very high grades in the current GCSE are not well prepared to take math study further at post 16. Um, and I, I think that the, I, my hope is that the new GCSE will help to address that problem. But that, 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 that's looking at the high attaining students. I suppose a, a worry I have is that um, is the new foundations here, you know, is that appropriate for, for the full range of students? So I think a worry I have is that perhaps we, perhaps we often kind of underestimate what, 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 what some of our young people can do. And there's a, there's a whole mindset issue that, that I've, I've started to feel very strongly about in recent years that, that, um, we we have this this idea that that you know you're, you're either good at maths or you're not, and if you're not that good at it, then um, there's not much you can do about it. And even if even if people don't sort of articulate that even even to themselves, if somebody has a view they're not very good at maths, it obviously affects their motivation. And so you know that there are there are there are higher expectations in the new GCSE, um, and how easy it will be for us to, to to make the transition to being able to meet them, I'm not sure. And we've got obviously there are there are issues about you know whether we've got sufficient sufficient teachers to do that well whether we can provide sufficient professional development to make sure all the teachers are able to 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 teach as effectively as possible but but a really big thing is is how much um, school accountability can distort what happens in GCSE maths and, and have a you know my, my view about maths education is that people you know, the, the reason that you learn maths is to learn maths and be able to be confident with using maths in your life that's what you want but if the, if the the result of maths education for many young people is I'm confident like can answer some questions on the exam, which hopefully will pick me up enough marks to get a grade C or above. That's not the same thing. And that's a very difficult that's a very difficult thing to unravel. 
Well, that that links in quite nicely with with this next point, Charlie. You've I've I've read you your article that you wrote for the NCTM about GCSE resets. Yep. And I, I think you made a very good point here. Um, you said that GCSE, if I've read it right, you said that GCSE maths is kind of designed to solve two well to to serve so, two, serve two serve functions, two functions. Yep. yeah so it's enable uh, young people to learn the maths that they need to survive everyday life and work and also prepare them to study maths further at level three whether it be um, a level qualifications yep. and that's fine when the students are age 16 preparing for the GCSE yep. but once they've essentially failed that GCSE and by that will define it as not having made a grade C then yep. one of those functions namely the one to study uh, maths further doesn't seem all that relevant anymore to them yep. and and this current year I'm teaching a GCSE reset I tend to get one most years and it's a flipping nightmare to yep. teach because the kids kids are disaffected they yep. it goes back to that mindset thing that yep. in yep. their head they're failures it's yep. hard to teach you're teaching them stuff that essentially they've been taught for the yep. last potentially 11 years and in some cases in some topics and and still not got it yep. so it's a massive 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 problem so yep. my first question is um, does this new GCSE go any way to kind of solve Solving the problem, and if not, how are we going to solve it? Right. Okay. Well, well, something I should say first of all is that I also teach GCSE reset class. It's the only teaching I do at the moment. But every Friday morning, I teach GCSE reset for an hour and a half, and I teach vocational students doing GCSE reset. So, um, so I, I'm I'm with you exactly in what you've <laughs> described. I, I recognise that completely. One of the things that that, that I've, I've been thinking about is that you know I, I really enjoy teaching them and I, I always enjoy teaching maths and I have a you know a, 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 it's fun I have a I think a, a pretty good relationship with the class but but they you know I think that if if you're I mean what was I doing I I, I, I was teaching recently about um, about graphing quadratics okay and and yeah they will get a question on their paper which which will involve them in in doing something with a, a quadratic graph and. If a, you know, a student will ask me, you know, how is this going to be useful to me <laughs> later on? Now, I think that, the, you know, the really glib answer is you, you've got to be able to answer this question and it, yeah, you'll get some marks and it'll help you get a grade yeah. C and that will help you get a job and all those things. But sure. if you are reduced to giving that answer, then you're clearly we're teaching the wrong things. Yes. And um, now I, I, what, I, what I say is that is that doing this type of math, it kind of it's like sort of um, it's like sort of mental exercise. You know, if, if, you, if you can if you can learn how to how to deal with these kind of abstract things efficiently and think think these things through and understand these relationships, then it's a kind of, um, you know, it, it's it's helping you to, to develop your thinking skills. But that's still a pretty lame answer. isn't it? <laughs> um, so so what, what I feel is that um, the new GCSE, the model that I would like is to say that. I mean, if you look at the GCSE, I mean, people say there's a huge amount of stuff in it. I, I, I think there's a little bit more, but I think there's as much more as people claim. And part yeah. of the reason for that is that lots of the key stage three stuff is explicit in the new GCSE. And that, that's deliberate because you want more of an emphasis on, you know, basic multiplicative reasoning and those things, which are useful to people in work and life. I think that my ideal, and it, I, I don't think it's easy to do because of the way the regulation works, but it would be great if you could have a, a, a limited grade GCSE for... Um, post-16 students maybe the, the maximum grade you can get on it is is a five um but what what you have then is you have a truncated syllabus so you if you look at the way the gcse content is set out there's stuff that's just in normal type there's stuff that's in normal type underlined and there's stuff that's in bold type i think that you can make a really good gcse for work and life with the stuff that's just in normal type get rid of the underlined stuff get rid of the bold stuff 
base a GCSE on what's left, ask really meaningful questions about that. It could be resourced brilliantly. You know, in MER, we've got loads of ideas there. You can make really good resources that would that would show this maths being applied in, in, in meaningful ways that the students could engage with. And I think that that would be a good answer to this because the problem is if you have if you have other quality, I mean we're reforming functional skills at the moment and, and you know, I think that's good functional skills mass needs to be reformed but but GCSE mass has got such powerful currency I mean that's what the yeah, the Wolf Review yeah. talked about you know that that, that that so so if you've got a GCSE mass it it means so much and I think that if you could say to if if it was clear to employers and to and to to you know to the population at large that you know if you've done the post 16 gcse and you and you you have got a level two pass on that so you've got a initially it'll be grade four and above once it like to go up to grade five those but if you if you've passed got a level two pass on that post 16 gcse then i can be pretty sure that you've got a really good grasp of the basic maths that you need for work and life that's what these young people need and that, that's what i would advocate but i don't i don't think that's going to happen in the in the near future i think that that's a yeah. Wouldn't that just be, I mean, if that's the case, it, it sounds great, but surely that should just be the foundation paper, though. Because, again, if, if, if you're, you're gearing students up to take mm. a foundation paper for the new GCSE, then they fail it, don't get the level mm. four or whatever, and then you say, oh, actually, a more appropriate paper for you now to sit now that you're 16 is this is this paper, which is going to be more functional, more useful mm. to your everyday life. Like, surely if you follow that logic through, the, the foundation paper should be essentially doing the job that you're advocating that this post-16 well, paper should do. I, I think that, 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 that pre-16, I don't want, to, I don't want to, um, to burn people's bridges for them. I don't want to restrict their, their choices in that way. I think that um, you, know, you, 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 you can sort of move that argument backwards in one of those kind of weird induction things, quite, where you end up doing no maths at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I think there's, there's got to be a point where you say, OK, I'm not going to sort of take maths further, but... but Maybe I don't enjoy maths particularly. I'm not very high attaining in maths, but actually there's a level of maths that I really need if I'm going to function effectively as a as a citizen and all of those things. Yes. And um, this content will do it for me. So I I, I don't I, I think that up to 16 it's reasonable to have a cut off at that point. You might argue whether it should be 16 or a different age, but I think it is reasonable there should be a cut off. And I, I can't I can't you know I, I'm happy with 16 for that. And but but I think that that that, that would be the right way of dealing with this issue. And until um, until that, if if that idea of yours does does come into play, until until then, do you envisage when you're teaching your vocational students in a couple of years' time, GCSE reset, will you be teaching them the foundation paper? Do you think of the new GCSE? Well, that, right, okay, right. The other really big thing I wanted to say about what's wrong with the current GCSE is the idea that that, that schools are playing the game of you yes. know we've got to get a C. Is it better to enter them for higher or foundation? Yep. If you scrape a C on the higher tier, you know, that, what an awful experience that must oh, be. Oh yeah, absolutely. But that. that absolutely mean this. If the new GCSE does not address that problem of, of schools tactically deciding which paper to enter students for, then that 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 will be a, a tragedy. It's really, really important that, that, you know, if you're going to go for the higher tier paper, then you're, you're, you're yeah, you, you've got to be, a, I, I think that to go to enter the higher tier, you should be a nailed on level two pass, and you should be somebody who's looking at, looking at getting a higher grade. And, and uh, if, if you're somebody who's, um, who's, you know, who's a bit iffy about whether you're going to make your level two pass or not, then you must do the foundations here. And if the system is still gameable, such that it's better for a school thinking about its its um, accountability measures to think, actually, this student will enter the other people will give a bit of good training in whether yeah. they can, you know, do cumulative frequency and these various little things that we pick to pick up marks. No, we've we've got to get away from that. That is the biggest. That's for me. That's that's the biggest 
failure in the current GCSE. That, that, that's the thing that needs fixing more than almost anything else. I mean, I, I completely agree, but my instinct is that it is still going to be a little bit gameable. Certainly this first run through. I mean, mm. with this, the talk of having a few notional kind of um, level threes, isn't it? In the higher tier and stuff. So I, I could imagine pretty much the same cohort of students who are currently sitting the higher will be will be sitting the, the new higher on the on the new spec GCSE and I don't know how you stop it being gameable to be honest with you well if that happens then certainly I'll be making an awful lot of noise about it and I hope a lot of other people will be as well because that, that that's a big flaw in the system I mean, to just think about I mean, one of the problems that we have in in in, um, in England in the UK is a kind of public attitude to maths isn't yeah. it yes I mean, I mean, I mean you know, that experience if, if there's just like the research students we've been talking about as well if you, if you want to, you know, give somebody uh, an experience that's likely to give them a negative attitudes towards maths, that, that's it. You know, but it, it's crazy and we've got to stop doing it. But you're right. But like, as you're saying with your, your research students, you're teaching them quadratic graphs. So I'm assuming there that they're all going in for the for the higher tier because it's their best chance of getting the grade C. And if we no, were kind no, no, of... No, no, no. You, you, can, you can get just like drawing the graph and stuff on a foundation tier paper. But, but, um... Ah, so it's that type of quadratic. Yeah, okay, yeah, fine, yeah. fine. <laughs> all right. Well, um, if we can move now to my next kind of big issue, and, and this is, I guess it's kind of linked here. You, you've been doing quite a bit of writing and there's been a lot in the press about this whole issue of times tables and, and yep. rote, rote learning and all that. And I'm hoping to, I spoke to Joe Bowler, as I did to you when I hosted my Tez Maths podcast, and I'm hoping to get her on again in the in the yep. next couple of months or so, because you have a bit of a disagreement um, with, with Joe's yeah. view on this. And it's interesting because earlier on in the podcast, you talked all about growth mindsets and, and yep. yourself and Joe are very much aligned with, with those yep. views of not giving students bad experiences of maths and not telling them that they can't do things because of how damaging yep. it can be and so on. But you seem to disagree a little bit when it comes to, to times tables. So, again, just, just to summarise for the listeners, I think it's fair to say that Joe um, doesn't think that students should be kind of forced to memorise and, and do have all the anxiety that comes with, with mm. learning times tables. And you take a slightly different oh. view that the... Yeah, anyway, if you want to... Okay. I, I okay. won't put words uh, in your mouth. I, I, don't think I, should, I don't think you should be forced to memorise um, times tables at all. I think, that, but, but I think it's really important that, that, that they should know the times tables. Yes. And and I think that that that, that therefore we should be you know, teaching them those things, and we, we should teach them in in a way that that encourages their understanding uh, in parallel with with the sort of factual knowledge of the times tables and and the and the, the sort of the, the procedural things associated with that. But I think that um, you know if you don't know your times tables, I mean you know people will 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 will, 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 will um, some people will dispute this, but I. I if you don't know your times tables, if you're not fluent with, 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 with number in that way, then you are at a massive disadvantage oh, in your life. And, and, and I think that, um, so I think that the idea of, um, of, you know, drill and kill and anxiety and all of those things, I quite agree with Joe Bowler. So I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with her about, about the way that, about the, a, a, a teaching style, but I'm disagreeing with her about what should be taught. You know, to, right. to, to pretend that it's not important to teach times tables is just wrong. Teaching times tables is vital, and you know, and actually, if um, if you um, if you're if you're a, a child at age at age 11 going up to secondary school, and you're not, and you don't know your times tables, then that will inhibit your progress, um, because you know, it, it's part of it's something that, you, that, that you know, that those kinds of basic number things should be automatic, because that 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 enables you to get on with other stuff rather than being rather than being held back by by not being able to do those things. Well, I can I completely agree with you there, but my, my question would be, whose whose responsibility is it that that students know their times tables, and how how would you teach 
students times tables to make it so it's not a, a, an, as an anxiety inducing experience for them I, th- I, I think whose responsibility is it well I mean I, I, I suppose I'd say it's probably I mean it's like whose responsibility the children should be able to, to to read and things like that I mean obviously parents have a role to play in this but 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 you know actually the 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 the, the backstop the bottom line all these things is is our education system isn't it you know you, so every, every child's has a right for the education system to, to to help them to get to to develop the skills that they need, and, and teaching them times tables is part of that. I mean, I, I taught my own kids their times tables, um, when we when we used to walk to and from primary school, um, but, and it was just it was just it was fun. That's the key point, and it can be fun. So teach it like it is fun, and show so you know the relationships between different times tables, all of those things, um, you know the, the pattern. All of that, which is actually developing deeper mathematical ideas, isn't it? It doesn't. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be threatening um, at all. And there are. I mean, I think um, you know that there are. There are you know, lots of lots of sort of fun ways. You know, I mean, chanting and things like that help children to learn their times tables. That, 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 there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that at all. It's fun. Um, and you're you're in, in, in developing. But, but you know, it's, it's important that you point you, you point out or, or or discuss with them relationships between different times tables, all of those kinds of things. It really strengthens their deeper understanding of number. Well, if if we if we imagine we're a teacher listening to this, and yep. again, this is this is me. This year, I've got a, a bottom set year seven who who simply yep. don't don't know the times table. Would you? Yep. Would you suspend the scheme of work and just say, right, there's literally no point us going into fractions and factors and multiples and all that kind of stuff until we know our times tables? And would you literally just focus on times tables until those kids knew them fluently? No, I, would, I wouldn't just focus on them, but I would build I would build supporting those children to learn their times tables in, in, in to mass lessons every day. You know, I, I think I, I'd want I'd want to to, to develop and and, it, and that that can be you know because because it's it's so ubiquitous, isn't it? Idea of the multiply numbers is happening all the time in, in what you're doing. Then I, I would want to build that in, and I, I might well, um, you know, think of ways with the group, and, I, and you, know, you, you, you know, you build a relationship with the individual classes, don't you? You know the children, and you know how that will work. But I think that you'd want to, you know, if I if I had a group of children at the start of year seven that didn't know their times tables, then whatever else I was doing, I would want to make sure that by the end of year seven they did, and that they knew them in a way that meant they wouldn't forget them, so they had that for life. And I think that I think that in not doing that is is negligence. It's really important to do that because it's something that they they really will benefit from. Okay, well, again, I guess that brings us nicely on to the next big issue, which is which is mastery. And yep. again, it's it's a huge, huge one. I had Bruno Reddy on uh, last episode, and he's a massive advocate of of mastery. Um, I'd just like to just get your take on why why you feel it's so important, and also. You, you talk about differentiation in yep. a mastery lesson because that's often something that I think is is misunderstood. And um, when teachers think of mastery, often they think of whole class teaching. They think yep. of students moving through at the same pace all the time. So if you could just talk a little bit about what what good mastery teaching and learning is for you, and how differentiation and challenge and support kind of fits into that. Okay. Well, well, I think the idea that the the, the whole class teaching should happen. Is is part is is a, a crucial part of mastery teaching. The idea that all the children are accessing the whole curriculum. I think that um that the way that your the, the differentiation I suppose is achieved in that. First of all, you're trying to give all the children. Well, let me let me backtrack a little bit. Maths is a subject that continually builds on itself. So if you if you so I I, I suppose that the kind of um you know you, you if you're going to to, to you know the, the, in the next lesson. 
or in, in, a, in, a, in a lesson in two years time, if you haven't sort of properly grasped a particular idea, then, you know, you're, you're on very shaky foundations. You, you, you need to be, you need to be clear about the ideas and make sure that each, each row of bricks, if you like, is, is solid and level so that you can, so you can build more mass upon it. And if you, um, so the idea that the whole class teaching is that one of the things that, 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 you know, happens, it can happen is that you have this differentiation way of teaching where some groups of children are given access to the curriculum in different ways or, yes. or, or have a have a, 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 you know, a poor access to the curriculum because they're they're viewed as not being very good at maths i mean if you're on the red table you know you maybe you'll get <laughs> maybe you'll get the idea maybe, maybe that's going to affect your mindset as well um and you're going to you know there's a whole expectation thing that's being set up as well isn't there in all of this yes yeah, absolutely um, that, that that is you know we we can't know how what what a young person's potential is in maths um, what, what, what we can do is make sure that we engage them with, 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 with maths as deeply as we can. And in terms of, in terms of, um, this, this sort of, you know, how is, how is differentiation achieved? I mean, if, if you want to talk about it in that way, then you, you're giving access to the curriculum at, at different levels of, you know, different children access ideas at different depths. What you want to make sure is that they all access it to a sufficient depth for that learning to be, to be built upon in the future. But some children will access more deeply than that. Children that don't access deeply enough you, they need to be identified quickly and there needs to be some kind of intervention to make sure they have access deeply enough if we can achieve that then we're we're giving deep deep robust understanding to you know to, i mean to maybe the highest attaining children the children that, 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 that seem at that time to be the ones that are are learning maths most effectively they are certainly getting stretched because they're being asked to think hard about simple things i mean if, if you you know i know you're a mathematician craig i mean you know when you start thinking hard about simple things, they're not so simple. That's right. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I think that, that, that you know we're, we're encouraging we're, you know, we're encouraging teachers to to stretch children in that way through depth rather than through rather than through kind of accelerating them rapidly and superficially through new ideas. That that that's not the way of to build to build a firm foundations for future mathematical development. The way to build firm foundations is to is to really understand basic ideas deeply. And I think that the, the highest attaining children, the children that maybe have the greatest facility with maths at a given time. They're being stretched through depth. Um, the children that are finding it difficult—that's the, the, if they're finding key ideas difficult that, going, that, that are going to inhibit their learning later. Then we're the, 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 the style of teaching uh, and the, the structure of teaching is able is able to identify that and try to make sure that they they they, they do master, if you want to call it that, to the, to, the, to the necessary depth that that learning can be built on. Because one thing that we have is that at at um, the end of Key stage two, you know, we're talking about what happens in the transition from primary to secondary earlier. At the end of key stage two, there is a massive range of attainment. Yes. And all those children are going up secondary school and some of them, um, some of them, you know, are, they, 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 they've been almost sort of held back by being branded as not good at maths when they were, when they were, you know, five or six years old. Um, and I think that we, we need to try to address that. And, and the, the, the highest attaining children, I think that sometimes they have, um, they have actually quite superficial knowledge of things, and another thing that it can cause is the the idea that they that when when they start to meet things that are more difficult, that they're and and, and you know that, that they haven't got if they haven't got strong enough foundations from what they've done before, when they when they when they they thought they were doing so well because they were progressing so quickly, that also can cause difficulty for them. Um, so I think that this this idea that maths is you know you're emphasising connections and deeper understanding all the time, moving through the curriculum together, ask you know really asking. 
deep questions, planning. Th- I mean, to, to do mastery teaching well is very difficult. You know, you, the lessons have got to be really carefully planned, questioning really, really carefully planned, um, activities really carefully sequenced, and all those things. It's, it's very non-trivial. But if it's done well, I mean, if you look at the uh, you know, jurisdictions that perform extremely well in maths at this level, then th- that that's the style of teaching that they're using. And I think that, that that's something that the NCETM is, is really promoting at primary. And I, I believe that if we, could, if we can do this well, then we, we can have a, a, you know, a really profound effect on improving, improving mass outcomes for young people in the country. I, you know, I feel really strongly about that, passionately about it. Well, if, if that's, the, that's the case, Charlie, and I, I can tell you feel incredibly passionate about it, would you, would you advocate, if it, was, if it was up to you, that every school should have to adopt this mastery approach and that all schemes of work, that the order topics should be taught should be decided nationally, the duration that people should spend on topics should be kind of set in stone. And because if, if you feel that this, this way works, would you roll it out nationally? Well, I think that I, I'd like I'd like mastery teaching practices to be adopted nationally. I, I think that um, th- this idea of, um, of, of saying, you know, this is how you should do it um, and everyone should do the same thing is um, that, that that's not really my that's not really my style. I don't necessarily think that really works i think the people have got to do it but by by consent if you like i mean the, the nctm doesn't tell people that they must do things in this yes. way and um, the, the, the the um the, the national curriculum doesn't i mean i'm not i'm not making a comment positively or negatively about national curriculum i will say the aims are fantastic for national curriculum but 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 yeah, the, the one of the things about the about the curriculum is and, and the, the, i suppose the current government's line is you know we we told you what to teach we're not telling you how to teach it yes. i think that, that what, what we're doing from the nctm is saying we think that this is a really good way of teaching maths to young people, and if you want to, if you want to to, to, to adopt this, then you know there's support here for you. But but you know I'm I'm not saying that the other ways can't work, and I'm 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 not saying that um that, that people must do it, but I am saying that this is something that that we believe does work. There's quite a lot of evidence to support that 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 view, and um you know we think it's an exciting way of 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 you know, really improving the outcomes for young people. So, you know, we, we, I, yeah, I'm certainly not going to say this is what everyone must do and we're rolling this out nationally <laughs> in a kind of, in a kind of um, authoritarian, aggressive way. No, that, 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 that's not the idea. But I also think that, that you know, it's hard. I've said it's, it's difficult and, and it means that, 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 that schools need support to do this. I mean, one thing that you may or may not be aware of is that we've got this um, primary mass teaching for mastery specialist program um, through the NCTM. We're, we're training 140 four per hub across the country people to be really specialist in primary math teaching now that they are primary math teachers and they will continue to be primary math teachers but they will also work with other schools and we we you know we'd really like to be able to expand that program because you know it's all very well to say to people you know we think this is a really good way of teaching and we'd like you to do it if you agree but um but but we also need to be able to support them to be able to do that and that's yeah that that, that's something that we, we want to we, 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 we're trying to do and we, we, we hope we can do that on a, to a larger scale but but not compulsion no <laughs> okay <laughs> well one, one last question on mastery and then one other question from me if that's okay of course yeah. charlie um what do you say to um kind of critics of the mastery approach and i'm going to cite andrew blair i'm a huge yep. huge fan of him um, from his wonderful website inquiry matter yep. he'll be hopefully on the podcast in the next couple of months yep. that say that um students are treated as as passive learners through mastery oh, and, no. and, and the other thing i'd like to kind of link into that is when i was speaking to bruno and i know yep. uh, bruno been over to shanghai and i know yep. that yep. You've, yep. you've done a lot of work with with shanghai teachers one thing that shanghai teachers say that they 
like from the UK teaching and that they'd like to take back is is group work and the way students kind yep. of work independently and talk to each other and, and work positively in group manners that perhaps doesn't happen so much um, yep. over in Shanghai. So is there a danger that with whole class teaching and with moving through moving students through at the same pace and so on that students could be treated as passive learners and lose that imagination and creativity? Right. OK. First of all, um, in, in a good master lesson, students certainly are not passive learners. They're, they're being really deeply engaged with the maths. They are thinking hard about maths. That, 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 that's you know, in a maths lesson. When you've got a maths lesson that's working really well, you, you know this. What you've got is that is the young people in there are completely engaged with the maths that they're, th that they're maths that they're thinking about. They're not thinking about other things. They are engaged with mathematics. That, 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 that's the that's the every maths teacher's dream, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and and, and, and the, the way lessons are structured and the pace of the le the, the the pace of the lessons to get it, get this this right and the, and the, the constant questioning and interplay is really engaging the children deeply with mathematics. So they're not passive. I mean, you can't learn passively. Um, you have to be actively engaged to, to learn. And, and the, the, the style of teaching does bring about active engagement. Now, Andrew Blair inquiry-based learning. I'm a great fan of, of 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 lots of lots of things that Andrew does, and there's some great resources and things there. But the worry about inquiry-based learning can be that I'll, I'll, I'll give an experience from from my, my own past. Okay, I, I was very fortunate. I went to I went to a comprehensive school, um, quite a big comprehensive school south of London, but there they they they'd adopted SMP. And um, when I was in what, what's now year eight, so it was second year then, um, we, we were doing SMP and we spent, I reckon, the best part of a term playing with networks. And, and eventually, sort of, yeah, the idea was that we would derive Euler's formula and we would be able to come up with a kind of a proof of Euler's formula for, for you know, whether a network is traversable or not. Right. And um, it was brilliant. I really, really loved it. But, you know, I really like maths. I guess I'm, 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 I was pretty good at maths at that age. And there were, there were maybe two or three other people in the class that were engaged in that way. But when I look back on that period, I wonder about, you know, the 30, the 30 plus of us in that room. But quite a lot of the, of the, of my classmates, you know, they, they were, they were there engaged in, in doing stuff and probably enjoying themselves. But were they actually learning any maths? I'm not sure. And, and when you have the, this idea of, of activity based things, that there, there's a there's a Chinese expression, which is I, I've used in my blog somewhere. It's about it's great to have these kinds of um, these kinds of activities with children where you where you, you, you set them off and they're they're being creative and thinking about things. But it's like, you know, the idea is that you you let them go, you let the kite fly up, but you've then got to reel the kite back in again and make sure that they've actually grasped the ideas that you wanted them to grasp through the activity. And actually, I suspect sometimes in inquiry-based learning that, that a lot of children, you know, the kite doesn't get reeled in in, in that way. And actually, they've may have, they maybe they've been engaged, they've enjoyed themselves, and they, they, they've liked what they were doing. But actually, have they learned the maths that they needed to learn through that activity? So I'm, I'm not saying that, that I don't like activity-based learning, but I think it's going, to be, it's going to be managed very, very carefully. In terms of group work, it, it's, it's a myth, actually, that, 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 that children all sort of um, work in isolation in, in, in Shanghai classrooms. They really don't. They do a lot of pair work, and, and occasionally they, they, they might engage more than that. They certainly don't do as much group work as we do. And I, I, think, that, I think that you can have mastery and whole class teaching um, incorporating those things, and actually incorporating inquiry-based learning if it's managed well. But it's not the kind of pure inquiry-based learning that, that probably Andrew would like. But, um, you know, I, I think... There's a lot of, um, lot of unnecessary polarization that goes on around these things. It's a bit like um, trying to set me up as the as the the the, the sort of antithesis of Joe Bowler or whatever. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it isn't really quite like that. These things are more subtle. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, I, I say I, I think Andrew Berry is a very, very thoughtful math teacher. Um, and um, and he's, he's sort of picked on this idea and said, I don't think mastery enables children to, to sort of think creatively. I think actually it does, because I think that another thing about being creative in mathematics is that you're able to be creative and you're able to be more and more creative because of the mathematical understanding that you have. If you haven't got mathematical understanding, conceptual and procedural knowledge and all those things, you can't be creative with That's mathematics. Right. You've got That's no right. tools to be creative with. So I think that, you know, you've got to get the tools in place and then, you know, there's a place for these things, but it shouldn't, I don't think it should be, you know, I think the idea of, uh, of having um, all maths teaching as an inquiry-based approach I think that you, you, if you're going to make do that and make it work, you've got to be a very, very skilled teacher. Um, and I think that, that there's a real danger of, of many children just just missing the point. I'm not saying they won't be having a nice time and enjoying what they're doing, um, and even engaging deeply with the activity, but they may well not be learning the mathematics that you want them to learn. Got it. Thanks, Charlie. Well, just a final question from me. Um, what, yep. w- what would you include on a PGCE course or t- teacher training course for maths teachers that you think is possibly lacking? Oh, right. OK, that's interesting. Well, can I, can I say something about primary, actually? Yeah, of Because I, I think that um, primary, trainee primary teachers, primary teachers are all teachers of maths. And those trainee primary teachers need, I think, a lot more input in teaching maths at primary level effectively. The, the, the teachers in Shanghai have done three years of of, of, um, of university training in teaching primary maths. You know, and I say I, I, I mentioned before about how you know I didn't know much about teaching primary maths. I I, I, I never quite had the view I've sometimes heard from secondary teachers that you know that stuff is so easy that anyone could do it. I never yes. quite thought that. But but I hadn't realised quite how sophisticated it is, and I think that to teach primary maths well, our our um, trainee primary teachers need a lot more input in 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 actually you know, what that means. So really deeply understanding how children um, develop mathematical thinking and ideas, and how things should be sequenced properly, and all of that is is a key thing, and that would make a big difference, I think. Um, in terms of secondary, again, I think that. Um, more sort of deep, deep subject knowledge needs to be addressed. I think there's a kind of assumption that, um, that well, I mean, not all secondary teachers are that well qualified in maths, but, but even, even if you are well qualified in maths, some, some of the kind of subject knowledge ideas that, that, that are going to make you a really effective teacher. I mean, you probably perhaps similar to me, Craig. I think I, I think I deeply understood these things later on. On our yes, been teaching them for absolutely, a while. absolutely. And, and I, I kind of wish that I'd had a bit of input on some quite basic things to do with um, you know, deep understanding of proportional reasoning, all that kind of thing. So have some some input on that to really get me properly thinking about those things, understanding all the subtleties of them, and, and yeah, just thinking more deep, thinking more deeply about basic mathematics and about how that impact, that should be applied in the classroom. I think, I think you're right. Something that should be in secondary. I think you're right, Charlie. Just on on that point, very quickly. I think the the problem is that a lot of maths teachers inevitably were in top set maths when they were students and, yes. and found found maths relatively easy without having to think about it too much. Yeah. And I remember, I one of my first lessons I ever taught was was fractions to a year eight class, and I thought they were winding me up. The kind of mistakes they were making, because yeah. I'd never experienced them and I couldn't understand it. And yeah. you're absolutely right. That was that was never never part of my training. And I only discovered that perhaps two or three years into teaching, started to really understand topics in depth. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, 
No, fr- fractions is a good one, actually. Fractions are hard. I mean, what is a fraction? Is it an operator? Is it a point <laughs> yeah. and a number line? Is it, is it one number divided by another? It's all of yeah. those things. You're um, right. It's, it's the more tough. you think about it, it gets flipping harder every second, doesn't it? The more, yeah. more time you start thinking about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Well, I'll tell you what, Charlie, um, cause I've kept you far too long here. So no, if we can just... I've, I've enjoyed it, actually, so don't worry. <laughs> uh, if we can do your big three, if that's all right. So if someone um, was, was coming to visit either the MEI or NCTM for you um, for the first time, what three pages would you direct them towards? And I'll, oh, include, right. links to all, I'll include links to all these on the podcast notes. Okay, right. So I'll, I'll go for MEI first. So you go to the MEI website. I think the first thing that I'd link people to is that is the massizing of the month, which is a, which is a, you know, a, it, it's, it's a maths problem. They're, um, they're, they're, they're problems that require real mathematical thinking to solve. Um, and there's an archive of them and the archive is also, um, got, is also maps the curriculum. So you can see how you can use it in your classroom. Um, and I think that they're, you know, that it's interesting. I sometimes meet people surprisingly who the main thing they know about MEI is you know, people who aren't, aren't involved in maths education, even some people, but, but who, who know about the mass item of the month as being a nice problem. So, so there's that. Um, also on the MEI website, I think I would go for something that we're, that we're, we're very keen to push at the moment is, is we've got these A-level changes coming up. It's not till, till first teaching from September 2017. Um, teachers are very much in the, the kind of the, the hurly burly of doing the job. But, but, you know, what we want to do on, on, on our website, we've, we've got a sort of a link from our homepage, which goes to like information about the new A levels. We want to really keep that up to date and be, enable teachers to keep themselves informed. As it gets closer and closer, there'll be, there'll be more and more relevant information as, it, as soon as it becomes available and information about support you can get and CPD and all those, all those kinds of things will be there. Um, so I think that, that that's an important page, the A levels 2017. Um, I think also on the on the MEI website we've we've got um, we've got stuff about um, use of ICT and maths. You can find the ICT page. Um, yeah, it's worth having a browse around it. Different things, but 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 yeah, there's there's there's, there's lots there for people to look at. Um, right, NCTM. Um, I think that the, from from the the homepage, I think that um, the stuff about um, the Mass Hubs there and going to the Mass Hubs website is worth doing, finding out more about what the hubs are and what they do and thinking about engaging with them. I mean, one of the things that the hubs have been doing recently is running CPD days. There's a lot of like, big hub conferences, and they are fantastic. I, I, I go and speak at a lot of them, and I've been really impressed. And a, a real feature of them is primary and secondary teachers together at the same event. And there's a real sort of um, – certainly the plenary sessions at the events are really, are really about, you know, applicable to, to anyone who's teaching maths and then there are there are often you know like breakout sessions with different specialisms of things but so the hubs definitely have a look at those um i think also there's a there's a a, a, a section on teaching for mastery on, on our on our um home page for the nctm and there's loads and loads of really nice stuff in there um but i think um what else should I, should I recommend? I suppose um, I write a blog called Charlie's Angles. I didn't think of that. It's really corny. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not good. It's terrible. But, 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 um, but yeah, it makes my kids cringe. But, um, but, 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 but you know, have a look at it, it, stuff on there. And, and you know, there's, there, there's, there's plenty on there. There's also you know, support for the new national curriculum on the homepage. So there's, there's quite a lot of links you can go to. NCTM magazines are there as well. So I think if you go to the homepages of both MEI and NCTM and try and find things that, that take your fancy, um, it, it, worth having a look. That's fantastic. Well, Charlie Strip, thanks so much for taking the time to, to join us. It's been absolutely fascinating. Yeah, thanks, Craig. I'm sorry, I probably waffled on rather a lot, but you, you, you asked me some good questions and got me going, I think. So, <laughs> thank you. Right. Cheers. Great. Thanks, Craig. 
So there you have it. There was my interview with Charlie Strip. I hope you enjoyed it and found it useful. I don't know about you, but I found it refreshing and, and pleasing that Charlie's still teaching once a week. I, I'm often concerned when people in high positions in, in institutions and particularly decision makers who are, who are making calls that are going to affect our day-to-day -day lives as teachers are themselves removed from the classroom and kind of forget what it's like and the day-to-day -day pressures and so on. So it's it's very nice to hear that Charlie's still dabbling in it with his with his GCSE Reset class. Um, in terms of my takeaway from this podcast, I think what I'm going to focus on is, is the technology aspect that Charlie spoke about um, with regard to A-level teaching. I'm recording this takeaway on a, on a Friday night, that's an indication of how sad my life is. But I've just uh, just come back from a, a day's teaching, and on a Friday I, I have two sixth form classes. Um, I have a further maths class, uh, year 12, and I have a year 13 class where I'm teaching the delights to S one two. And with my year 13 class, my stats class, uh, today we just did the central limit theorem which is god it's one of my all-time favorite things to teach I, I absolutely adore statistics and and i love this the central limit theorem for its its beauty and the kind of wide-ranging implications of it and I, I delivered it, I explained it and introduced it, as I have done for the last three to four years, um, using autograph, and I, we invented some distributions, and we took some sample means, and we increased the sample size, and increased the amount of samples, and we saw how wide-ranging wide distributions that look nothing like the normal distribution suddenly started to tend towards the normal distribution as you increase the sample size. And it didn't matter what distributions the, the students chucked at me, I could plot them on autograph and, and show dynamically how everything tends towards the normal distribution and it was absolutely jaw-dropping wonderful stuff for them and I don't think I could have taught it in fact I know I couldn't have taught it any better without that technology available and in the morning I teach my year 12 um, further maths class and we're doing FP1 and I will be lost, and they will be lost, without the power of Desmos. We use it pretty much every single lesson to, to plot things and visualize things when we're doing conics and graphs of rational functions and so on. And they, they all have the app installed on their phone. And all my A-level classes um, make use of Wolfram Alpha pretty much every single day. And it, it just seems to me that technology is so essential in the teaching of A-level maths that it makes sense for it to come into the assessment of A-level maths sooner rather than later. And I've spoke to Conrad Wolfram from Wolfram Alpha a, a, a number of times and, and read, read his articles. And he's a big proponent that there's no point humans doing the kind of calculations that machines can do. The human humans should be focused on doing what they specialize at, and that's interpreting the results and making inferences from them and evaluating them and so on. And I think we've got to move to that way, certainly in stats and certainly in graphing and so on. And I know that students have to know where graphs come from and all that kind of stuff. And I know they need to to know the fundamentals of statistics and all that but surely there's got to be room for technology to, to kind of step up and and do take the kind of mundane manual calculations out of there and get students focusing on what those results actually mean because that's that's the power of mathematics for me so hopefully that's in the non too distant future we'll, we'll get to see that anyway enough of me let's go to everybody's favorite feature because i shut up for a few minutes that's the podcast puzzle and charlie not only has a puzzle for us he also has a, a source of puzzles that you you might not be aware of so it's, it's worth tuning into this one and i will see you on the other side Okay, so so my podcast puzzle is um is MEI's current maths item of the month, and you can 
find that on the MEI homepage, what you need to do is scroll down. But when you scroll down, that's where the mass item of the month is. And the, um, the current puzzle is about a cube. And you have a cube which is sliced vertically along a line. And the line goes through one of the one of the vertical edges of the cube and then just goes through through the, 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 the opposite side. You can see it on the diagram. And then it says that you, you've got a prism. And then it says the remaining prism is going to be sliced vertically down again by going through um, another sort of um, edge of the square, vertical edge, of the, sorry, another vertical edge of the, of the prism. And the question is, where would the slice have to be to split it into two equal volumes? And so I haven't done this puzzle yet myself, but what, what I know from um, from the puzzles that we've used in the past is that it's likely to be quite elegant when you work out how to do this. And another thing about about the mass item of the month is that there's a there's an archive there of other of other other problems over a number of years and that archive is referenced also to the curriculum so lots of good stuff there and really i think you know new gcse reasoning problem solving you know th th there's some good stuff there that's relevant to that some of those problems of the month really are fantastic so please check them out using the link in the show notes well all that's left for me to do is to once again thank my guest charlie strip for being on the show and thanks also to podcastthemes.com for the lovely jazzy music that you've heard throughout the show for comments and questions or just to say hello you can find me on twitter where i am at mr barton maths or on email via teachers at mrbartonmaths.com Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast platform, and if you could help spread the word about the podcast or give us a rating, ideally a good one, then that will be hugely appreciated. I will return next episode with another dose of mathematical goodness, so take care and bye.